Reading from the first canto, chapter 5, Nara's instructions, Srimad Bhagavatam to Vyas. In this section of the chapter, Vyas is decrying the path of karma as it had been delineated by Vyas. And uh, he's also decried the path of Gyan, so as has been delineated by, by Vyas, without, that is to say, sufficient emphasis on bhakti, which is what Srimad Bhagavatam constitutes, and which is the solution to the despondency that Vyas felt. He felt incomplete, having completed, he thought, anyway, his work. So, strong words here continue now. And again, as I mentioned, this section is clearly elaborating on the tatastalakshan, or the marginal characteristic of bhakti, that it is not covered by jnana or karma. It's not performed for material acquisition. It's not performed for liberation, but for its own sake. It's not something that engaging in we should have any fear that other obligations are not being met. We have, for example, karmic obligations. So tonight's verse, Nard says, so here the word swadharma is twice mentioned in the first and the last line. Swadharma. Swadharma means one's own dharma, and dharma here is referring to karmic obligations that uh, need to be fulfilled. We, the idea is, in a basic sense, our material situation is one that, in human life, let's say we have human life, so our material situation being human life is one that we should be grateful for. And we're dependent on a, a number of different things for that. We are dependent karmically. It's a karmic result. And um, in human life, we have the kind of freedom that's not available in less complex forms of life. We are kind of like on probation in a sense. We have some freedom. And with that comes some responsibility. We should acknowledge, that is to say, that our situation is one of good fortune and and living within the human life, we are dependent upon, for example, heat, light, uh, rain, and so forth. 
These are all the functions of the heavens or of nature. We're dependent on nature to a large extent. The modern world wants to conquer over nature. They want to change the nature of nature. We are kind of gods in a sense in relation to other forms of life, being aware as we are that we exist. This is a self-awareness that comes in human life differentiates us from from nature, from where the soul of nature, and from other species of life that that haven't haven't attained that kind of awareness. So misuse of that, of course, is to not live with gratitude and to try to conquer nature and even alter the nature of nature, which can be very problematic in the long term. Short term, it may look fine, but who knows what what's in Pandora's box when you go. (laughs) Um, And and try to improve your material life. It's a path of acquisition, materialistic life, um, in a uh, overtly, so to speak, in an effort to control, to measure, to bring it within our grasp and so forth. The karmic path within the, uh, the sacred text of India is not one of acquiring through controlling, but acquiring through acknowledging and, uh, the, 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 uh, our dependence and participating, being a participant in life rather than the controller of nature, participating in nature as a caretaker in some instances, um, living with gratitude for the rain, for the heat, the light, and so forth. And so there are the various, there's the various injunctions for worshiping the different gods and goddesses that personify the different powers of nature that provide the bounty of life for us. Sounds like an old-fashioned idea, but it's pretty nice, actually. Thanksgiving is coming, and uh, this is uh, a holiday, American holiday, I guess, that... Um, is centered around a similar uh, kind of idea to thank, be thankful for the bounty of life, to acknowledge that it's not just our doing, and it's not. <laughs> However much we augment our life materially by controlling it and uh, nature and manipulating it and so forth, uh, ours is a dependent life, and in the moment that would could be demonstrated to us very. Easily, if an asteroid should collide with us, or I mean, they, they're watching for that very carefully. But, um, but uh, and you can only watch so much for hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and volcanoes and and so forth. And you may watch and watch them come. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so our life is very fragile, actually. But we seek, and there's the reason largely that we seek to control it. We live in a fearful condition. We live in a condition, in pursuit of a condition of life that is that has no permanence. It, it, cannot be, it cannot be maintained, ultimately. So we should maintain it within reason, with a higher idea in mind of how we can live in an enduring sense. And beginning of this kind of life is to live with gratitude and acknowledge that our present situation is one 
in which we have things and uh, and uh, and uh, we should be grateful for them. A life, a sense of our dependence, living with gratitude. So it's something like I've given an example. If you turn on the switch, you get light. If you turn on the valve, you get water. If you press a button, you get heat. If you open the mailbox, you get a bill. And that means there's somebody on the other end. <laughs> and you have to acknowledge that agency. And you have to pay the bill, or the lights will go out, the water will go off, the heat will go off, and so on. Mm-hmm. So in a bigger sense, in a cosmic sense, the karmic way, the dharmic way uh, of life is to acknowledge the, the powers of nature, which were personified and as, as, as gods and goddesses. They were the idea being that there was consciousness behind them. The gods and goddesses are all partial manifestations of, of Bhagavan for material purposes. The Daiva and the Trainer, they're invested with a certain power, hmm? Shakti, power of Bhagavan to accomplish certain tasks. So the idea of personifying various aspects of nature that we're dependent upon is to say that there's consciousness behind nature. And consciousness is, we can say, ultimately personal, something like that. Brahmanohi pratishtaham. There's an impersonal aspect and a personal aspect. And Krishna says the impersonal aspect is subordinate to me. It's like my aura, my halo. This is a clear um, instruction in the Gita that comes repeatedly therein. So, anyway, the Swadharma are, materially speaking, our dharma, our duty, our obligations to live in a basic sense with gratitude. And the Vedic scriptures give a scientific way, if you will, a method, that means to say, how to do that. That's called the dharma mark or the path of karma. And there are all types of rites and rituals and procedures. <laughs> and uh, if you do them right, you, you get the results and uh, you can grow good karma or you can become religious enough. That's a religious life I'm talking about. Religious enough your inquiry into religion is sufficient and deep enough in a practicing sense of this gratefulness, if you will, you speak about it in a generic way, that, that your life of living with a sense of gratitude qualifies you then from this type of religious inquiry which acknowledges my dependence and, and so on and so forth, it qualifies one for, to inquire about the Atma. In other words, from Dharma Jignasu, from inquiring into how the world works and to acknowledge the powers that be, so to speak, one comes to a position of being able to inquire about the self, that which lies beyond the range of um, religious life. We're thankful, we're grateful for the material bounty. At the same time, we come to find we're not material. 
with the Atma, the consciousness. <coughs> so, the general course then is by sufficiently inquiring and adopting, the implication is, the religious life, the, the, the grateful life, what becomes, develops, because what, what, what are you developing? You're developing a sense of dependence and um, acknowledgement of, of um, <coughs> higher powers, if you will. Um, then you're in a in a position to inquire about the highest power. In one sense, is yourself different from matter, and of course beyond that, the God of the gods, Brahman and, and Krishna, that the gods derive their the goddesses derive their power from. So from Dharma Jignasu comes Brahma Jignasu. From inquiring into religion and leading the a dutiful dharmic life, one gradually becomes qualified to inquire into the atma and move away then from karmic obligations and the desires for acquisition and so forth. But the dharma mark is like a, a license for acquiring. It's a path that gives you a license for acquiring in such a way that you pay something down and you get some you can acquire, you acknowledge, you give your sacrifice and you, you get the fruit and so on. So, therefore, it is stated in the Gita that, that the wise should not disturb the minds of those who are materially attached. Those who are on the path of acquisition should not be disturbed by the jnanis who have moved away from acquisition Those persons have to qualify themselves for inquiry into Brahman. And if you just say, well, they're just attached, I'm going to give them, go and give them knowledge that, uh, that, they're, that, that they shouldn't be attached, they shouldn't be pursuing things, that will disturb their minds. They have to gradually become disinterested in acquisition. In other words, you have faith that by performing various rituals and whatnot, you'll get a good result. And so you, your inquiry into the sacred text becomes deeper. You develop faith as the real fruit, in a sense, of the, of the Dharma Mark. You develop faith in, in Shastra and Revelation, so you look deeper into it. Then you, you have a more interest in the Shastra, in Revelation, and what's behind where the instructions for getting things are coming from, what's the nature of that than the things themselves. In the beginning, you're just interested in the things. Whatever you have to do to get them, you do. But gradually, you start becoming interested in well, who's giving? What's the nature of that agency? And so forth. And so, in a natural way, one comes to inquire about Brahman. This is the idea. So there's a prohibition for the Ganis given in the Gita. What comes up in this verse here is that that does not apply to bhakti. Obviously, Narada is coming on very heavily. You've disturbed people's minds by teaching them how to be attached to material things, and the karma marg, and, and so on and so forth. So, there, bhakti is in a different position than jnana.
a good example here that comes always comes to my mind when this verse is cited is is Prajapati Daksha. Daksha, uh, his story is uh, in maybe third and fourth canto of Bhagavatam. <clears throat> he didn't understand bhakti. Daksha means expert, so he was very expert. In order to be successful in the karma marg, you have to be very expert in performing all of the rituals properly. Where there is, I've often said, the less there is love, the more there are rules. The more there is love, the less there are rules. So this karma marg is all about rules. There's very little love in it. Because while it is a means, if you will, of becoming related to, connected with, acknowledging the dive in the train of the godly um, factor and influence, it's one in which one's not very interested in influence itself, but the fruits that can come from acknowledging that. So it's like I'll do something if I have to, so that I can get something. So there's not a lot of love there, and therefore the rules become more important. And properly, expertly following them is is very much emphasized, very much required. So Daksha, he was expert in in the karma mark. He was a prajapati, a progenitor. But uh, he has a background. He developed a background of Vaishnava Aparad. His uh, daughter, Swati, Sati, Sati, who became Parvati, Sati, she married Shiva. And Daksha performed a big yagya, big karmic yagya, and he didn't invite Shiva. He thought, well, this guy's you know, he's a little weird. He's got those dreadlocks, he's, you know. Dressed in ashes. I don't know why my wife, went, my daughter, went for him, but uh, so he misunderstood. Of course, uh, uh, Shiva is a Vaishnava. He personifies renunciation outwardly, but he's also a, a, a devotee. Vaishnava Shambhu, Bhagavatam says that uh, Shiva is a great Vaishnava. So he didn't understand uh, the Vaishnavism. He didn't understand even the Gyan. Of, of Shiva, and so he didn't invite him to this uh, big yagya, wasn't it? Ceremony or something. And uh, so uh, Sati didn't want to go. She ended up going, and then she, she, uh, the famous Sati rite comes from this. This story. She 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 burned herself up by yogic power, and by and, and made a, a public statement that she was took exception to Daksha's not inviting Shiva. He had been an offender. So on account, he has this in his background, this Vaishnava Aparad. So then um, he was a progenitor, so he had a lot of sons at one point. And uh, he sent them out to 
holy place, and they were to visit there, and then they were to go and uh, create progeny. But they happened to meet Narada there. And Narada Muni said to him, what are you going to do that for? It's a waste of time. You should do bhakti and leave the world. And he preached to them about impermanence of the world and the nature of bhakti and so forth. So they all left and never went back to Daksha. And Daksha was pretty upset from that. But he thought, anyway, this, this thing will happen. So he had another so many sons. He sent them to the same place. And Nara did it again. So after the second time, he couldn't contain himself. And he had a sangskar for Vaishnava Aparad, as we've heard. So again, he committed Vaishnava Aparad. This time to Nara. He said to him, what kind of sadhu are you? You're bogus. Here you've encouraged these young boys to renunciation and uh, one should not disturb uh, people like this. They'd, how would they know what kind of renunciation will they have? They have no real experience of the world. They have no experience of the world. You just told them about it in a few days, and now they've run off. And how will they maintain their renunciation? You've just created a big disturbance here. And so then he cursed Narada, that you can only stay in a place long enough to milk a cow. He thought that would be a bad thing. Narada thought it was great. Actually, <laughs> Narada went to him. Narada converted his second set of sons, and then he thought, well, I should go to Daksha and, and, and preach to him. He keeps creating his sons and send them, you know, my direction. When I head him off at the pass here, I'll just you know, tell him you're wasting your time. Mm-hmm. So innocently, Narada went to preach to Daksha, and this is the kind of reception that he got. Mm-hmm. Uh, but characteristic of the Vaishnav, he didn't take any offense, or he didn't. He thought, "Oh well, that sounds good. I can that way. I can travel everywhere, stay long enough. People aren't aren't usually aren't interested enough to listen for long enough, then and it takes to milk a cow about what I have to say. So I'll go and, uh, and go to the next place, and so forth. So Daksha offended him again, and he was under the misconception that one has to play out, so to speak, one's karmic life entirely and uh, inquire into religion and live the religious life and then gradually, as I said earlier, come to renunciation. True enough, but he didn't understand bhakti. Bhakti overrides this. Because bhakti, of course, is very user-friendly. It doesn't tell us to give up things. It tells us to love Krishna and to use all things in Krishna's service. So why will a person's mind be disturbed by the jnani, a materially attached person? Because the jnani is going to tell him all these things, the temporary should give them all up. In fact, he should stop thinking also. That's pretty hard to do. Here I am going full stream after things with many thoughts, and now I hear this, and I have to stop all this. Uh, full stop here. Uh, it's... it's uh, may sound wise, but how do I do that? And so bhakti is very different. As I said the other day, bhakti acknowledges that the beauty of the world that we're after, the, the, the glare, the, 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 uh, reflect, is really a reflection mm-hmm. of the beauty of, of Bhagwan. So no wonder we're after it. Mm-hmm. So just to adjust that, put Bhagwan in the picture, and then you can do all, you can acquire the things, uh, to be used in Krishna's service. You can have a cow. 
You can have your land. You can, you can grow your vegetables, fruits, and flowers, and so you can shop for the deity, and so on and so forth. It's very user-friendly by comparison. Um, it's about acquiring Krishna. It's a path of acquisition. Mm. How do you acquire Krishna? By acquiring love for Krishna. So there is no restriction for teaching people about bhakti who are materially attached, whereas there is restriction for teaching them jnana. So Dakshin didn't understand this, therefore he criticized Nard and again further implicated himself in Vaishnavaparad. He didn't understand bhakti means this and the very nature of bhakti. He was Daksha, he was very expert in performing the karmic rituals and all which has to be done perfectly in order to get the result. And if you don't do it perfectly, you won't get the result. You might get a, the opposite result even. And bhakti is on the other end of the theological spectrum. Karma, I said, is on the one end where love is light and law is heavy. Hmm? Bhakti on the other side is all about love. And so the rules are very minimal to the extent to which love is actually being developed. Then uh, there's there's no need for for rules. So in bhakti, therefore, even if you don't do it right, but your heart is in the right place, you'll get the result. Even if your heart is not in the right place, and you chant Hare Krishna without understanding it you get a good result. Hmm? Sarup Siddhavakti, like chanting, hearing, and so forth, these are inherently powerful. They're constituted of Krishna's Sarup Shakti. We come in touch with them. Even without wanting to do bhakti, we do bhakti. This is the Bhagavan's love for us. He loved the world so much <laughs> that he gave Harinam Sankirtan, Golokir <laughs> Premodhan, Harinam Sankirtan, the wealth, the premodhan of Golok, he gave in the form of through 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 Nam Sankirtan. Hmm? Made this available. What Nam Sankirtan is just singing in love for, uh, for, for of, of Krishna. Hmm? So this uh, the, this preoccupation then, if you will, of the devotees in Golok, it comes to this world. We are touched by that. So it's love heavy. And Mahaprabhu said, Nam nam akari bahudani There are names are many of Bhagavan. They're full with power, all of his shakti. And there are no hard and fast rules for chanting them. You could chant anywhere in any circumstance and so forth. There may be ways to chant better than others, like in good association and so on and so forth. But... It's very generous. It's the love path. So the rules, it's rules light. It's all about performing, engaging in activities that are pleasing to Krishna. It's nothing about pleasing yourself, but of course the self comes, the real self comes out in this and is very pleased also, being part and parcel of Krishna. So it's the very other end of the spectrum. No wonder that Daksha couldn't really understand it. Properly, of course. Again, you get a background of aparad, so that will hinder us from understanding the siddhanta of bhakti. We should be careful, therefore, and that will last for a long time. 
So here Narada says something about bhakti, very different from the path of karma. He's giving a contrast. He's basically saying, well, chaktvasva dharma, if you taktva, if you give up your karmic obligations in this world, all the rules of, of dharma, the dharma marg, chaktvasva dharma, charanam bhujam hurer, and you do bhajan, you take shelter of hari, Krishna in bhakti. Hmm? He says there's no there's no loss from that. Hmm? You will you will, you should not think that if I forego all these other obligations, there are other ob- obligations. As I said, we are uh, we are obliged to acknowledge the gods and the sages, our parents who gave, in one sense gave us a human life and all these things. If we forego that for bhakti. If in the course of bhakti, bhakti takes us in a direction where we don't have time to acknowledge that. There's no need for that. There's no loss. You're going over the head of all the agencies that we are dependent upon for our human life. The gods are all dependent upon Krishna, so you go to Krishna then. The debts to them are paid. So you shouldn't think, the idea here is that there'll be any loss if you forego the dharma, Marg and take to the bhakti mark. And the implication is the same holds true with, with, with regard to jnana, because both these things, jnana and karma, are respectively sattvic and rajasic. And bhakti is nirguna. In other words, the fruits of the karma marg are not enduring. They're not transcendental. The fruits of the Gyanmarg are sattvic. They're not transcendental either. Gyanmarg involves uncovering the soul. But does it do anything for the soul? Does it give it any positive standing, any real estate in Vaikuntha? No. Therefore, you can uncover the soul and it can be covered again. Even the Jivan Mukta can, can fall down again and become covered. But by engaging in bhakti, not only are there no is there no loss that you're not no other obligation is is uh, is uh, binding on you. It's fulfilled in the context of bhakti because the result of bhakti is nirguna. It's transcendental to the karmic agencies. You've gone over their head, and it's and it's enduring. It's enduring and. Uh, it's even a little when Krishna begins to speak of bhakti in the Bhagavad Gita in the second chapter says neha vikramanashosti pratyavayana vidyate svalpam even a little bit of bhakti there's never any loss that's why I said the other day you never fall down in regard to bhakti Nard says here if you forego the varnashram this is what he's saying the dharma word. if you forego that swadharma and take shelter of bhakti he says, there's no loss for you. Don't think that you, 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 somehow you've, you're going to be implicated in not uh, fulfilling op- karmic obligations. No, don't think like that. And if, he gives, a, he gives a kind of a, it's not possible, but for the sake of argument, if you should fall down from bhakti. This is really the implication. It's really not possible to fall down from bhakti. What he means is, 
But for the sake of argument, let's say if you did, he said, still there'd be no loss. In other words, if you want to look at falling down from bhakti as, well, giving up the practices for some time, through the worldliness coming in your, in your, in your head, carrying you away. We see examples of this sometimes in the literature, the devotees. Has he fallen from, from bhakti? Not really. You might call it that. But not really, Narada says. Why? Because they have the Kamanashastip, Pratyavanabhidite. As Krishna says in the Gita, in this path, there's never any loss. Whatever you gain is permanent. Whatever you gain in Rajagun is not permanent. Whatever you gain in Satvagun is not permanent. By Satvagun, by removing ignorance, still it can come again. But bhakti pertains to the self. Bhakti is a gift. The jiva has, is satchitananda, and bhakti is samvit sandini ladini. It's like satchitananda on steroids, as I said. So this ingress of this, of this swarup shakti into the jiva, hmm, noticeably at bhava bhakti, but it begins before that. Because bhakti is constituted of swarup shakti. And so there's permanent gain there. There's, there's a spiritual addition if you will, not just the removal of a material condition or an addition of a material condition in the karma mark. So bhakti's position is entirely different. It's nirguna, transcendental. So the benefit from that, there's no, there's no falling down from that. You, you, you may forego the practices, but the benefit you got from engaging in them doesn't go away. It may not come to bear fully because you're preoccupied in another way, but it will come in due course of time and again weigh in on you. And again, it will take to, to bhakti. The only thing we have to be careful about in bhakti is, is aparad, is all. That's then going against the hand that feeds you. That's, the, that's different from material desire or distraction. This is, those are sins of the flesh, you could say. This is a sin of the soul. Aparad, Vaishnava Aparada, so we should be very careful about that. Still, we find devotees sometimes they make offense, but it runs its course also. And the bhakti that you've gained, Narada is a good example. He offended the Sankirtan. The result was twofold. Well, he had to take a low birth, fall from Gandharva, Lok, and the good side was he got the association of the devotees, became a Sankirtan himself. So, uh, bhakti, very different from gan, very different from, from karma. And Narada is saying here that chaktva sodharmam, if you give up your duty in the karma marg, there's never any loss if you do that in the context of taking to bhakti. Hmm? And even if, for some reason, it may be, might be construed that you weren't successful in bhakti. You might not be successful entirely in your first life. Still, you're better off. You're better off for having gone there, made an effort for that. And there is a benefit. You got a samskar for bhakti. You tried your best. You are unsuccessful in completing yourself and perfecting your, your, your practice. What does Krishna say in the Gita? Arjun has a question like this. He says, well, Gee, you're, you're encouraging me to take up yoga here, and you're really encouraging me to take up bhakti yoga. But 
what if I'm unsuccessful in that? I've given up the Dharma, my obligations there. They may come to haunt me. And if I'm, then, then I'm ruined on that side. If I'm unsuccessful in bhakti, then I'm ruined on that side. Krishna said, oh, don't think like that, dear one. What does he say? He says, Tata Tata Gacchaya. He says, Oh, my dear one, don't, don't think like that. Hmm? He said, Anyone who engages in this, what I'm talking about, this bhakti, this is, they're never lost. Hmm? No. He says, If they're unsuccessful in completing, then they, 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 they take birth again in a family that is conducive to bhakti, or they take birth in a family of, of, of bhaktas, of devotees, of transcendentalists, even, more favorable. Hmm? And then they pick up wherever they left off. There's permanent gain from this, never any loss. So, it's a, this is a strong statement, and it needs to be made because in the context of which this is given, of the sacred literature, there's so much emphasis, you see, on the karma marg. That's where most people are at. Vyas wrote it. This, to this point, he hadn't written the Bhagavatam, so how much emphasis on bhakti? How will you get this out of it? People will think, well, if I don't follow the... I won't even be grateful if I don't follow the, 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 the karma marg. How, how can I not do those, uh, meet those obligations? We're saying, Krishna saying, sarva-dharmam Give up all this stuff. Just take shelter with me. And then people are thinking, oh yeah, that's for the people who, who can't make it in life. Right? What I said the other day. No, no. You need a whole book about that. This is Srimad Bhagavatam. He says, um, and he says further, he says, well, if you give up the Varnashram for Bhakti, there's no loss in doing that. And even if you're not successful in Bhakti, well, that's really it. Not a possibility. For argument's sake, if you want to say, say, still there's no loss. Really, the, the teaching is there's no question of being unsuccessful. How, how generous is the path? And furthermore, he says, for that matter, again to contrast, if you perform the Varnashram unto itself, and you do it perfectly, there's absolutely no gain. If you do a little bhakti, and in the context of that you forego all the varnashram, you're better off than if you perform all the varnashram perfectly, he says, in doing foregoing the varnashram for a little bhakti, you get bhakti samskar, you got, your life is now on the way to perfection. It will t- snowball over time. Hmm. This is a real, meaningful, permanent, uh, enduring value. And by contrast, if you do the Varnashram perfectly, you get nothing. You get no Bhakti Sankskar, then what do you get? You get nothing spiritual. Hmm. You get nothing, nothing that you can add to your soul. You may get things. By gyan, you may get rid of things. By bhakti, then 
you get you get you get a gracious grant. You get sandini, sumdit hadini. You get to then you, now you as soon as you engage in bhakti, you've started to make an investment in that uh, land beyond death. You can't get there without bhakti, not by karma, not by jnana. If you mix bhakti into jnana, then it's possible. You'll get some standing there with an emphasis on jnana. Hmm? On sat, as I said, rather than ananda. If you mix it with yoga, you'll get, get it with an emphasis on chit. And if you get through bhakti alone, hmm? bhakti with emphasis on ananda, enter into Krishna Leela. So this is the kind of thing that uh, Narada wants uh, Vyas to write about. People can get inspiration hmm? to start even in a small way to start. They're getting some real estate, building a house of bhakti in Goloka. They're getting an identity there. So, any question? Yes. Did I compose a prayer? Yeah. What I was saying there is that um, that the different avatars of Krishna should all be regarded in relation to him. We should have Krishna or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Radha Krishna, as our uh, Ishtadevata, hmm? our deity. But that mean, doesn't mean we disregard the other gods, the other avatars of Vishnu. We, but we acknowledge them fully in relation to Krishna. So, so Narasimhadev, he was the deity of Sridharswami. He wrote a commentary on Bhagavatam that was very dear to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So I pray to Narasimhadev that he can bless me with a proper understanding of Srimad Bhagavatam that will please Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> you be the judge whether I've been successful, whether he's blessed me. But, uh, so this is, I'm worshipping Narasimha but I have something in mind. I'm not, my ideal is not to go to Vaikuntha as a, as a devotee of, of this particular avatar of Krishna, but uh, enter the Krishna Leela. But no, I didn't compose a prayer for that. But the way, if you want to compose a prayer, the way you do that is that you glorify Narasimha if you say something about him. Oh, Narahari, you are so affectionate to your devotees, that you have showed affection to Prahlad in such a huge way, in rage. You showed great rage for the, for the, for the, the, the uh, opposition and the oppression uh, on the part of Hiranyakasipu. You took such, made such a, in such a big way, you made a statement. You are so kind uh, to your devotees that you take away all of their obstacles. Ganesh, the god, son of Shiva, is attached to your lotus feet, and because of that, he can remove ob- material obstacles. But you are bhakti vignaminashana. You remove all obstacles to bhakti in a very prominent way as we saw in the life of Prahlad. And therefore I offer my obeisances to you. 
Uh, but I am covered by uh, Anartha's How Will I Understand the Great Treatise, Srimad Bhagavatam, that you so blessed Sridhar Swami to uh, be able to understand and write about in such a way that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself took great pleasure in that. And I, on the other hand, am a most fallen person. My identity is I'm a member of the Bhaktivinoda Party Bar, a follower in the disciple succession of Bhaktivinoda, coming through Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur, Yesi Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada, Bhakti Lakshak Sridhadeva Goswami Mars. They have named me so and so, Das. They have given me some responsibility, and I don't have the power to carry that out. This is my position. Therefore, I pray to you that you bless me in this way, that I may be a speaker of Srimad Bhagavatam in a, in a feeling and meaningful way, that I may imbibe the teachings, the demands of my heart. My speech will not be merely academic, but based on realization and feeling for the text. And then by doing this, I can give pleasure to my, my guru, who is, was a great uh, champion of the Srimad Bhagavatam's distribution throughout, throughout the world for your transcendent pleasure. So you make this way, glorification of the Srimadev, you state your own position, then you make your request. This is how I do it. <laughs> What else? Yes? The way you were speaking about um, not being recalled from bhakti, that you did make some distinguished Vaishnava from Aparad in general, but it kind of left me with the impression that Aparad would just magnify the same kind of um, distracting element that you were speaking about, like as opposed to actually undoing some progress that's been made. I don't understand what you're saying. Was Aparad simply a more intense version of, of the other kind of fall down that we're saying? Is it really falling from Bhakti or is it actually something categorically different? Well, like I said, if you say the sin of the flesh and the sin of the soul, they're categorically different. Mm -hmm. Um, So material desires are not really going against Bhagavan. There's some scope for that, even. Mm -hmm. In a remote sense, they are. They, are, they constitute looking in a different direction. Bhagavatam says, turn the face away from Bhagavan. So you could say, well, that's an offense, but, <laughs> but then to turn your face towards him and punch him, that's another thing. <laughs> so that, that, there's a difference between material desires, distraction, uh, by the influence of material nature, which is his shakti also, and uh, and offending him. So the effects will be more enduring 
for the material attachments and the obstacles that come from that, these can be removed in sadhana bhakti, but the, re- the reactions for Vaishnava Parat, for example, can carry into Mahava Bhakti. They may not show themselves in any other way than detaining one from attaining prem. It may take longer to attain prem as a result of that. So, yes. Chapter 22 is Sanatana Musiksha. Oh, you're referring to Chaitanya Bhagavat. Yeah, Chaitanya Bhagavat, not Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, I think that story is there to, man, to, to emphasize that we should be careful not to commit uh, Vaishnava Parad. I don't remember hearing that by reading it one could overcome Vaishnava Parad. Basically, these Aparads, uh, if you have remorse, if you, if you, if you, um, and you may not be even aware of them from their previous life and so forth, so they have to run their course. Hmm. If you've been to Vaishnava, you can go and with your mind, you can res- we can resolve it in the mind. If you offend with your words, you can resolve it by your speech. If you offend physically, then you should become the disciple. In other words, give your body to that Vaishnava and render service and so forth. This is the idea. So... Any other lesser aparat, saver aparat, can be overcome by kirtan, which would constitute reading a, a chapter of the Gita or some other book. But, uh, but, uh, but Vaishnava aparat, that's, that's the most heinous. And uh, generally, yes, we have two recourse. We, 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 can, we can go to the Vaishnava, but if the Vaishnava is left, we can go to the dust of the feet of the Vaishnava. That means his 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 followers, and they will be able to help us mitigate that. Yes. Which would be worse, the Vaishnava aparad or making aparad, you know, like blasphemy and redeeming? Which is which is more potent, serving the deity or serving the Vaishnava? Which is your answer? That's what Krishna says, right? So the converse is also true. But you see, the Vaishnav, the Guru, we should understand this is Krishna. This is the extension, Krishna extending himself, his Kripa Shakti. 
in a way that that he's coming to you more prominently than anywhere else. So if you pay attention there, obviously, then you're paying attention to God. And if you don't, and you offend, well then, same hopes. Yeah. The Kuring Narada, you will see, he's strongly about it. He says, like a little bit of bhakti, you turn into full Buddhism, Varna Ashram, there's no loss. Because he said that if you do the Varna Ashram, all purposes will get you nothing. So, <laughs> I was, I guess it's in Ramananda Sambhai, when Ramananda spoke about Chaitanya Bhakti, he asked, He asks, what's the goal and what's the means? What's the goal of life and how to achieve it? And his first Speak up. His first response was, Varnashram Charity. Yeah, he said, follow Varnashram. Well, yeah, Nard's making a strong statement. He, he's saying that you don't get any permanent benefit from that. You can do that forever. And Vishnu will give you a good material life. And Vishnu is not material, so you're not getting very close to him. You're not getting close to yourself by that. If, as a result of that, then you, in the context of that, you, you come to Gyan still, Nothing. Nothing tangible. Nothing enduring. And you're enduring. So, what good, what good is it for you if God gives you temporary things? But if that's what you want, then there's a system for it. But bhakti, that's a gift. That's a grace. That's, that's something meaningful by comparison. Obviously, he's speaking about it in a strong way here. The soft way to speak about it is, well, you do Varnashram, you inquire about religious life, and you become pious, and then you become interested in, 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 in Gyan. And still, you have to wait for some devotee to come and give you bhakti. <laughs> then it really starts. But if you, from the position of Gyan, come to bhakti, then, well cleansing of the heart that that uh, needed to be done through nishkam karma is, is already accomplished, so you may go go more quickly. Then again, you may inquire into religion and then inquire into jnana and then develop a sangskar for jnana that makes it difficult for you to take up bhakti. Probably. Jarasandha. He was a perfect follower of Varnashram. But he tried to kill Krishna. <laughs> so, how much he pleased Vishnu. <laughs> you please the president by being a good citizen. He won't even know your name. So, how close do you get to him by that? Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to correct what I said earlier. 
Okay, we stop there. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Bhakti Devi ki jai. Gaur Bhakti Vrindu ki jai. Gaur Premanandu.